The opinions and views expressed in the OC Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Orange County. Are you ready? It's time. For the best damn radio show in all of Orange County. What's it called? The OC Show! Right here, right now, on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, Cameron Jackson sits behind this microphone to tell you the truth about what really happens in Orange County. And yes, while the sun shines 354 days of the year, you can always count on three things. Expensive lattes. Expensive SUVs. And Cameron Jackson telling you about the evils of people like Larry Agron and Beth Crom and Michael Schroeder. That's right, every Friday from 5 to 6, you get everything you need to know about Orange County politics. baby welcome to the show i am cameron jackson this is the oc show right here on kuci 88.9 fm in irvine thanks for joining me once again here as i sit behind this beautiful microphone at the lovely kuci studios so uh got a great show for you lots to talk about today before i get into that though let's do some house cleaning as normal if you are just joining us you happen to be in the day room at the jail in your office wherever you might be in the kitchen you want to continue listening uh in front of your computer uh after that signal no longer reaches you you can go to kuci.org that's kuci.org click in the upper right hand corner to get your streaming audio also, also, if you want to go to my blog, you can do so at any time. Go to theocshow.net. That is theocshow.net. You can uh, see upcoming shows, past shows, listen to past shows, read past commentary, read future commentary. Maybe uh, you can read minds. So, uh, great show today, as always. Uh, last week, I promised you a roundtable with uh, R. Scott Moxley and Frank Mikadite. Uh, Moxley from the Weekly and Mikadite from the Register. Uh, Mikadite apparently was partying way too much with the judges out on the yacht and uh, was unable to make it. So, uh, we're going to do that again in the future. So, don't worry about that. On the show today, though, I have a guest in studio who's going to be talking with us about uh, the latest... Um, Irvine police officer uh, union deal with, or lack of thereof, I guess, suppose, uh, with the uh, city of Irvine. Um, that is uh, Shane Barrows. He'll be with us in just a second. I'm also going to talk about, if I have time, I've got, I just, I, there's so much to talk about in Orange County this week. Um, we've got the, uh, the investigators union that's going to be suing the district attorney's office that's kind of related to this story give you a little update on andy koch the westminster city councilman who drove his vehicle uh, because he was driving under the influence uh, drove his vehicle into another vehicle and uh see i think it was 0.26 was his blood alcohol level so uh We'll be talking about a little development when it comes to him. Also, the Orange County jail system might be getting federal oversight. Uh Uh-oh. The legacy of the former disgraced Sheriff Mike Corona continues to stain that department, unfortunately. It's like all law enforcement today. Uh, This was a a, a red-letter day, I suppose. And then I ran across this interesting story. Westminster, every now and then, they have a problem over there. And today it's with Sergeant Bill Arganda, or Araganda. 
He is uh, using the police database system to talk about uh, or to look up girlfriends, boyfriends, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of an interesting story. And if we get if the at the end, if I can't get it through, if I can get through all this, I want to talk about Obama's health care horror. Um, so anyway, that'll be good stuff. In studio now with me, though, uh, is the president of the Irvine Police Officers Association, Sean Barrow. Sean, welcome to the show. Shane, thank you. Uh, thanks, Cameron. Thanks for having me on. I, I'm glad you came in because there's a, the, the Register ran an article on the 11th. That was Tuesday of this week. And the article essentially uh, says that there was no new contract that came out uh, between the police union and the city of Irvine. And that um, essentially the city saying they're in hard times and that they don't want to give the officers raises. And the, the article... Uh, essentially lays it out uh, that, for the lack of a better term, that the union, the police union, is throwing their soccer in the mud, saying that this isn't, this isn't fair to us. Um, so, Sean, from your point of view, from your perspective, from the, from the union's point of view, explain to the listeners what's going on right now between negotiations or the lack thereof and uh, the union and the city. Well, like you said, Cameron, right now there is a lack thereof of negotiations. Um, I'd like to point out some things in the, in the register there. We are not asking for a pay raise. That's one of the things we're trying to get across to the public. We are, not at, we are not asking for a pay raise. What we are asking for is an extension of our current contract. We understand that times are a little bit hard all over. Um, fortunately for us, the city of Irvine is in good financial standings. But they are, for some reason, choosing to take away employee benefits and pay when there is no reason to do so. Um, a pay raise is not what we are looking for. What is happening if, if we get an extension of a contract, we have many officers, including myself, that would get no pay raise whatsoever. We are just maintaining the current pay and benefits that we already have. What we are trying to fight the city on is they are trying to take away pay and benefits, which is, is unconscionable at this point because they are not having any hard, difficult financial times. What, now, there's 190 officers that are represented by the union. Uh, I'm assuming because it says that there's 190 employees of the 205. I'm assuming that you guys just do you do dispatchers and and officers or just officers? No, we represent officers and the sergeants in the Irvine Police Department. Uh, officers and sergeants. So when you say the merit pay increase, what is that? What I mean, because that to the lay person and right. even to myself, a merit increase sounds like a raise. Right, and that's that's where we have a big problem trying to get that point across to the public. Um, and the city of Irvine is unique in the fact that they have what's called a merit pay. Uh, pay for performance system. What that basically means is if you're hired as an employee, you're hired at a certain rate within a salary range. Each year thereafter or at the every year of your annual review, you're available or you're eligible for a merit increase based on your past year's performance. And you are eligible for those pay increases until you reach the maximum of your security of your salary range. Um, so we have many officers that are at the end of that salary range and are no longer eligible for merit increases. We have newer officers who may have, you know, six months on the job, one year on a job, who, when they come up to their annual review, um, are eligible for those merit increases. Now, what about the other city departments? Are, do they also have the similar system of merit pay? Exactly, yes. All city employees fall under the same merit pay system. Um, the other employee unions have already agreed to forego those pay raises. Um, that was a lot based on the threats from the city of being laid off, which, you know, is a different topic at this point. But... All city employees fall under the same merit-based system. So, I, I, and I'm just going to play the other side here. You know, we've got a lot of lay people right now, uh, non, non-city workers, they're private sector people who've been laid off from their jobs. And they look at something like this and they say, well, gee, come on. I mean, how come you guys can't take uh, a, 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 just a freeze even in the pay merits? The merit pay as well. I mean, here we are, we're losing our jobs out here in the real world, and you guys still have all these great benefits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How does the union, because that, I think for me, for me, and I'm a, I'm a former police officer down from San Diego, and we, we went down there, and on a couple of occasions that I can remember, we either didn't take our pay raises or actually took a pay cut to save jobs. How, does, how do you guys reconcile that with the lay people? Because I think that's where the disconnect is for people that are like, come on, we're losing our jobs, and you guys want merit increases right and we we understand that we understand that there are people out there out of work due for you know no problem of their own um there are certain companies out there that are struggling there are certain cities that are out there struggling um the reason why we're standing our ground on this is because the city of irvine is not in that financial situation 
If they were, we would totally understand that. Again, we are not asking for a pay raise. Again, somebody like myself would not be receiving any pay raise. What we're really talking about is our new guys that have been here that are working very hard, that you know performed very well in the last year. Now it's time for their annual review and all the hard work that they've done for the last year. You know, they, they come to work for Irvine with certain expectations, um, just like anybody else does with any job. Uh, when, you, when you expect that and it's taken away from you for no reason whatsoever, you start to wonder, why is this being done and if, if there's no reason to do it? Uh, so that, that's why we're really standing up for ourselves here. Now, the, the register does make an interesting point in that the, the merit pay increases would only cost the city about $700,000, which doesn't seem like a lot of money to me. Uh, doesn't sound like there's that many employees that would be receiving that merit pay. Um, let me take you back then, because it seems like such a small amount, I have to ask a couple of, of questions. Uh, more from the political side that maybe you can help clear up, because one of the things that we do follow on this show is what happens in Irvine politics. And I remember last election cycle uh, getting a flyer, uh, because I am an Irvine resident, from the Police Officers Association where there was a dual uh, endorsement, endorsing both Christina Shea, who was running for the city council uh, mayor, and for uh, Suki Kang, who was running for city council mayor. Uh, and at the time, I thought that was weird, because normally associations will take a stand on one or the other, and we had a duel here. And everybody knows that in the city of Irvine, we have two factions in the council. We have the Larry Agron faction that covers Beth Crom, Suki Kang, Larry K- Agron, and then we have the Christina Shea, Stephen Choi faction. Um, do you think that this is uh, – I mean, Let's first of all, let's talk about how was the split on the voting? They split on the voting. I wasn't actually on the association at that time. No, no, uh, voting not for. I'm sorry. I oh. should. I, I I said that wrong. How was the split on the voting for this current contract for the council members? The vote to impose the contract was three to two, with Larry Agron, Suki Kang, and Beth Crom voting to impose the contract on the police union. The, and impose the contract without the merit pay. Correct. Correct. Uh, and so then Christina Shea and Stephen Choi both voted. Voted uh, no. Voted no. Uh, and so do you think that this is political fallout from the dual, uh, the dual endorsement, that, that somebody's upset with you because you didn't come out and endorse one or the other? Um, that's very likely. That could be the problem. Uh, I don't know because I'm not in their heads. I don't know what they're thinking. There, there was some issue about that last year. There was, you know, as you said, dual endorsements are not very common. Uh, what we did, we have a very uh, thorough process that we use. We use, we interview all candidates. We see if they're viable. We see how they're polling. We see how they've treated us in the past. And that's how we uh, distinguish who we're going to endorse for any said political campaign. Last year was very tricky, and uh, as it came down to the wire, as you saw, it was the dual endorsement between Christina Shea and Suki Kang. They were both neck and neck. And that's how our polling showed. So that's why at that point they had both been good to us in the past. And we chose to endorse both of them, you know, with the advice of our political consultant and everything else. Now, what's up with the new police facility that uh, wants to be built? I'm hearing, I'm hearing from from my source that the police uh, department is saying we don't need a $70 million facility. Is that, uh, I know it might be out of the, what, <laughs> the range of what we're talking about, but I think I can kind of bring it back there. Well, when, when we talk about a new police facility, it would be nice to have. Yes, it would be. Um, if it is going to cost the employees of my association a well-deserved merit increase or pay increase because they want to build a new police station, then yes, we are opposed to that. Because if you have $70 million to build a new police station, why can't you afford to give us an extension of our current contract? And that, that's where we're, that's our stance on it. Do you think that you're going to lose officers because of this? It's quite a possibility. If, again, as I mentioned earlier, when you come to work for any company with certain expectations, and then you don't receive those expectations or, or something on par with that, maybe you do get uncomfortable, maybe you start to look elsewhere for employment, maybe you say, hey, this isn't what I thought, and maybe you need to leave. Again, we're talking about a one-year deal for the Irvine Police Association. The other city bargaining units have signed a two-year agreement no, with pay freeze, no anything else. So the way we're looking at it is the same thing is going to happen to us next year. How long do you normally sign your contracts for? It really depends. Um, usually we will take... We usually been doing uh, two or three year contracts. Right now, because of the economic climate, we were down to a one year contract because we want to do our part to help out, just like anything else. 
Um, however, even with a one-year contract, it's just not working out for us. Um, and and our, our younger employees, our younger, I won't say younger employees, our younger officers are really, are really going to be the ones that feel the pinch on this. So what's what's next then? What's next for the for the union? I mean, because you you have you still have a disconnect problem to some extent, even with me, is that you know you guys have really good benefits. You've got really good pay to begin with. The register says that uh, base salary starts at sixty four thousand, goes up to eighty six thousand for police officers, and that doesn't even count FTO pay, which is field training officer pay, or uh, you know, uh, advance post pay, et cetera, et cetera, and then that sergeants are making between eighty and one hundred nine thousand um, dollars. That's pretty damn good pay. It's good pay. It's it's the industry standard. We uh, we work a tough profession. Um, you know what we do is not easy, and everybody's not qualified to do our job. So, you know, we we pay we get paid for what we do, and we in Irvine do a damn good job at it. I mean, we're America's safest city five years in a row. Our guys are out there working. You know, we're not sitting back at the donut shop. We're not hanging out. We're not just you know out playing around playing cop. We're out there working. Uh, we're very we're very proud and professional uh, manner that we respond to calls and the way we act on duty and the stuff we do with our citizens. So you know just like anything else, you you uh, you get what you pay for. You want the best, you pay for the best. And we're nowhere near the best paid. I can guarantee you of that. Um, we're nowhere near the bottom paid either. But you know we do we would like to maintain what we do have because there is no reason to not maintain that. Um, again, for people out there that are saying, like you said, hey, you guys make a lot of money. It's like, well, we do have a dangerous job. Um, some people may not think so in Irvine, but stuff does happen. Things do happen. Uh, we respond to emergency calls just like anybody else. And when, when somebody responds to an emergency call, you want somebody professional and knows what they're doing to show up and take care of business. And that's what we are. Outstanding, outstanding. Well, I uh, wish you the best of luck. I hope that you guys can get, uh, you know, the register sometimes. You never know. It's a, when we talk about this, it sounds like that they're getting their story from uh, from Larry Agron in here and that uh, they're not giving you guys a lot of time in here, but that's just me. What are you? Well, the, the next thing for us, Cameron, I mean, we're just trying to, uh, again, go through an education of the public that, yeah, we're not asking for a pay raise. We're asking to maintain what we already have. Um, we're having a, a rally and a peaceful demonstration on August 20th at Culver and Walnut just to, you know, let people know we're out here, we're concerned about what's being done to us. However, we are going to continue to provide a high level of service to the city of Irvine because we are professionals and that's what we do. So that's our next step. We'll uh, go with our legal counsel, talk about uh, what an imposed contract, if it's legal, first of all, to to uh, take away benefits that are already written in, in city policies. You know, we have legal counsel that we go through. We also have political consultants that we use. So that's our next step. Outstanding. Thank you very much, sir. I do appreciate you coming in here, Shane. Thank you for having me on, Cameron. Shane, much appreciated. You're welcome. I hope you come back. Shane Burrows, he's the president of the Irvine Police Officers Association. Uh, and also, real quick, is there a way that people can uh, write to you guys, contact you guys, if you need, if somebody has additional questions, anything like that? Uh, yes, we do have a website. Just use Irvine Police Association. Type it into any search engine, and our website will pop up. There's email links on there to talk to us, to get us information. Um, to, we get those emails, and we answer questions as soon as we can. Um, right now we're very busy because there's there's a lot of people out there that are that are supporting us and wanting to know what they can do to help. So there Out, we go. Outstanding. And if anybody wants to listen to this the, in its entirety, you can go to my blog, theocshow.net. That is theocshow.net. At the end of the show, I'll post it up there later on tonight. You're listening to The OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am your faithful host, Cameron Jackson. I'm going to take a quick break, uh, see my guest out the door, and then I will be right back. Welcome back to the show. Just remember, the opinions and views expressed in the OC Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Just remember, folks, I am your Superman. Uh, 
Oh, yeah, baby. All right. Welcome back to the show. I am Cameron Jackson. This is the OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, the greatest radio station in all of Orange County. And you, of course, are listening to the greatest radio talk show in all of Orange County. That is right, folks, because why I am the only one who sits behind this microphone, sits behind any microphone for really <laughs> for all intents and purposes, and tells you about what really happens here in Orange County along with the political scene. And, you know, sometimes I branch out to the state and to the nation and the world every now and then the world. Not very often the world anymore, you know. That's too bad. We don't really care about the world in the United States. Whatever. Uh, hey, if you are just joining me and you want to continue listening once you get outside of your car, outside of your jail cell, wherever you might be, go to the uh, web, go to the internet, KUCI.org, click in the upper right-hand corner for streaming audio. Also, you can go to my blog anytime you'd like, theocshow.net, theocshow.net. Read uh, former commentary, past commentary, present commentary, listen to past shows. I'll put this show up. I had to, uh, before the break, I had... Uh, Shane Barrows on. He is the president of Irvine Police Association. You can uh, listen to his interview later on tonight when I post that show for you. Talked about the uh, latest budget impasse between the city of Irvine and the Police Officers Association. You know, on that same track, we've got another union that is going to be suing Tony Rakakis. Here he is, the district attorney here in Orange County. If you uh, did not know that, Tony Rakakis is going to be the subject of a lawsuit, there is a union that represents the investigators in the district attorney's office, and they are very upset that uh, the uh, district attorney will be temporarily laying off people. He's basically furloughing people uh, to solve a $3.1 million budget shortfall. Yes, that is right. Um, this is the Association of Orange County Deputy Sheriffs. As uh, apparently they represent the investigators at the DA's office, uh, they will be filing a lawsuit against uh, Rakakis. Um, let's see here if there's anything good. Basically, what Rakakis is doing is he's dividing his investigators into five groups of at least 25 each. Wow, they've got a lot of investigators over there. And on a rotating basis, each group will take off five consecutive days and later another four days. He claims that because... Uh, the AOCDS, that is the Orange County Deputies uh, Association, was uncooperative in negotiations. He has no choice but to eliminate benefits for the investigators during their temporary layoffs. Ah, that's nice. So Wayne Quint, who is the head of the union, called Rakakis's claims disingenuous. And they are going to be uh, filing a temporary restraining order against him. Huh. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Now, that was uh, when the story was written on uh, August 13th. Now, there's an update, though. There is an update, and this story is by our good friend R. Scott Moxley over at the OC Weekly. Get this, though. Get this. After the story was published, Rakakis sent Moxley the following uh, response to the union's claims. He said, I attempted to meet and confer with the union leaders in good faith on numerous occasions to come up with a reasonable solution to a serious budget problem we are all having in Orange County. The leaders would only agree to meet but refuse to confer regarding the proposed furlough plans. Well, that's in their best interest, I suppose, to say, look, we'll meet with you, but the furloughs aren't on the table. We're not going to give our, uh, let our guys have furloughs. Now, that's neither here nor there, ladies and gentlemen, because... Where could Tony Rakakis get his $3.1 million from, ladies and gentlemen, of the jury? Tony Rakakis currently has a DNA bank that he has started. Now, what is the DNA bank, you might ask? Well, the DNA bank is Tony Rakakis's little legacy pet project where he says if you, Mr. Criminal, if you, Mr. Criminal, decide that you are willing to give me your DNA sample, I will dismiss your charges in your case. So he's building up this DNA bank so that the district attorney's office will have their own DNA bank separate, separate from the state of California's DNA bank and separate from the Orange County Sheriff's Department DNA bank. Now, you say to yourself, hmm, well, what, what does that mean? Why is that uh, a big deal? So what? Do you, do you want one of the most unethical district attorneys in California, certainly in Orange County, 
he is the only one, to have access his own database of DNA that he will use to do what? Prosecute criminals. Now, on the surface, you might say, well, whatever helps to prosecute a criminal. But don't you think that there is an extremely large conflict of interest there when it is the district attorney's elected job to put people in jail? Don't you think that he has a severe conflict of interest and a severe interest in making sure that everybody that comes through the door gets prosecuted? Remember, it's not about justice, ladies and gentlemen. It's about numbers. The more people that the district attorney prosecutes, the better he looks to his constituents. They don't care whether or not you are guilty or innocent. That is not the issue. They care about the numbers. And if having your own DNA database means that you can increase those numbers, either through ethical or unethical methods... Well, then you got a problem. There is a reason why we have a separation of powers on the federal level and at the state level, and there's a reason why we have a separation of databasing biological information about people and crime labs between the different agencies, because there needs to be some, some sort of change, some sort of wall between the two, so that there's this separation there so that we know that nothing gets tainted, so that a biased district attorney who wants to skew things in his direction cannot do that because he is not in charge of the lab or the data. Now, of course, they'll stand there all day long and they'll say, oh, we would never do that. We would never do that. Of course not. Well, that's fine and dandy, but... uh, I don't take a lot of, uh, I don't trust a man who his, keeps within his company Susan Kang Schroeder, who is the wife of Michael Schroeder. Michael Schroeder, of course, is the primary enabler of the former disgraced sheriff Mike Corona and chief apologist of the former disgraced sheriff Mike Corona. That, when you keep that circle of friends, that's a problem for me. A big problem for me. So, uh, I think the $3.1 million is probably there if he would just get rid of his conflict of interest, i.e. the DNA bank. Now, that being said, let me continue. Because it is disingenuous of these investigators to come in and to bitch and moan and whine and complain about the fact that, oh, they're going to get a few furlough days. When people here at the campus at UCI who work here on the campus at UCI are taking eight plus percent out of their pay you've got an issue there you have people in the private sector who are losing their jobs not just in the thousands but in the hundreds of thousands and yes while we don't feel it as much here in the beautiful orange county it is happening people are losing their jobs and so the investigators now are coming out and they're just their hair is on fire because they're going to get a few furloughed days. Well, waha, boo-hoo. You still get 3% of 50. Remember, we've talked about that on this show many, many times. 3% of 50, folks, is what? It's 3% of your highest paid year the day you turn 50 years old. If you have, usually capping out at 90%. So if you're making $100,000 the day you turn 50 and you want to retire and you have 30 years on, that means you're going to be $90,000 for the rest of your life plus medical, plus dental, plus whatever else you've socked away in the 401k and deferred comp program, right? So you're talking about guys who are making $80,000, $90,000, $100,000 at the DA's investigator's office. They're making good money, and they have the audacity, they have the audacity to stand up and say, "Oh, oh, oh, God, don't make us take nine days off this year without pay. Which would you rather have? Would you rather take nine days off with no pay so that you can keep working with all your little friends and nobody has to say bye-bye to the department? Or do you want layoffs? Which is it? Because for me, in the private society here now, my guess is that it would be better off for you to take your little furlough days, for God's sakes. 
You're not getting that much of a pay loss with nine days off. Come on. Plus, you still have your gold-plated retirements, your gold-plated benefits plans. Get over it. I mean, get over it. Get over yourselves. And Tony Rakakis needs to get rid of the DNA bank. That's the biggest tragedy. That's just a tragedy over there. That's an embarrassment. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am Cameron Jackson. This is the OC Show right here, right now, every Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. Going to take a little sip of water here because I'm not taking a break, baby. That was it. Okay, so we have the Westminster Councilman. Two stories from Westminster, one from the council and one from the, um, whatchamacallit, from the the uh, police department over there. And uh, I'll get to the police department. The police department one is really good. I love the police department one. But we've got Councilman, Westminster City Councilman Andy Quatch. Andy Quatch, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, gets drunk. He's a .26 uh, BAC, drives his car into another car and crashes it into a light pole or something. that Yeah, he crashed into a, a power pole. Uh, and while he was at the scene, he calls none other than uh, Schroederite uh, Assemblyman Van Tran. Uh, Van Tran shows up at the scene. Uh, I am your, uh, uh, I am his attorney. I am his attorney. That's what Van Tran is saying. Uh, Andy Quach is drunk. He's my attorney. And uh, all hell breaks out loose. The police department uh, threatens to get uh, to arrest Van Tran because he's interfering with their investigation, et cetera, et cetera. You know, typical Michael Schroeder thug tactics. Uh, the only difference between Van Tran and Michael Schroeder in this one is Michael Schroeder would have been a little smarter about it. He would have he would have subverted the process under the surface uh, after the fact, you know, uh, maybe get Andy out of uh, criminal prosecution later on down the line, something to that effect, you know, uh, make it the fault of the cops. If that were Mike, here's how Michael Schroeder would have done it. I always like to talk about how Michael Schroeder would have done it because uh, Van Tran was like a gorilla in a china shop. Michael Schroeder would have done this. Uh, he would not have gone to the scene. He, um, he he would have waited. And what he would have done is he would have said to Tony Rakakis, actually would have said to his wife, Susan Kang Schroeder, who adjusts the tie of Tony Rakakis on a regular basis, uh, because, you know, she dresses Tony Rakakis, makes sure that he stays in line, that he's always on board with the Schroeders, because, you know, you can't lose, you lost the sheriff, you can't lose the district attorney. So, uh, Susan says to uh, Tony Rakakis, uh, Tony, Tony. Look, uh, I'm the first Korean-American woman to uh, ever become a district attorney here in Orange County. Uh, my husband is uh, Michael Schroeder, uh, if you know who he is. <laughs> oh, Michael could destroy you in a heartbeat. Anyway, uh, we've got a little problem here. Uh, Andy Quach, who's a, a councilman over in uh, Westminster, yeah, good Republican, yeah, very good Republican, uh, on our team, on our team, folks. Uh, yeah, uh, Tony... Um, we need you to uh, make this go away. Just, uh, you, you know, uh, let's see. Th there's probably an error in how the police department did their job. We're going we're gonna to have to make this one go away. And boom, it's done, right? Now the problem is you've got the grill in a china shop. Van Tran shows up to the scene. Oh, first mistake number one. He did not listen to Michael Schroeder in his opening presentation on how to subvert the system. Van Tran shows up at the scene, and then he makes a complete ass of himself by trying to uh, interfere with the investigation and the police officers there. They almost have to arrest him, and off he goes later on and says, Oh, I, I wasn't interfering. I was just asking questions. That's all I was doing. Yeah, right. Whatever, Van Tran. So, uh, Van Tran completely screwed it up now because now it's in the paper. Now it's in the paper. Andy Quatch, he's, he's been outed. He's a drunk. He's, he can't drive his car. And he goes out and he makes a big apology at the city council meeting. He's trying to make amends. He doesn't want to lose his job. He, he wants all the citizens to say, yeah, you're the great guy. We're sorry, blah, 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 fall on your sword, la-di-da. Oh, the OC liberal does a story on Quatch, Andy Quatch, and get this. I, you see, and, and this is just perfect Orange County Republican tactics right here. Just brilliant. Uh, it, it doesn't get any better than this. Actually, you know who might uh, like this as well? Larry Agron would actually be pleased with this as well. Uh, so it turns out, it turns out that Andy Quatch is represented by an attorney named, now get, just 
bear with me on this last name. You know how I am with names. It's Bart Kasperowicz. Something to that effect. Bart Kasperowicz. This attorney, this attorney has been awarded several contracts on the council, on the Westminster Council, and and he is representing Mr. Koch. And Andy Koch has also been the one to vote to allow Bart Kasparowicz to have these contracts. Let's talk about what they are. Uh, so, here's the background. And this is, again, this is by Chris Privat over at the OC Liberal. Yes, I'm actually using stuff from the OC Liberal. Can you believe it? Here's the background. Uh, Kasparowicz and Councilman Quach have a long history. In January 2003, Councilman Quach appointed Kasparowicz to the Westminster Cultural Arts Commission. He's also represented numerous clients before the Planning Commission and City Council over the years that Councilman Koch has been a member of the council. Here we go. May 28, 2008, Kasparowicz spoke in favor, continuing the conditional use permit for uh, Citrus Restaurant, located on Brookhurst. On September 26, 2008, Koch was cited by the Seal Beach Police Department for driving in excess of 100 miles an hour. He retained legal counsel to represent him in that case, and it was none other than who? Mr. Kasparowicz. Seven days later, on November 12, 2008, Kasperowicz represented an applicant for permission to erect a billboard. Councilman Quach made a motion. He made the motion for the council to approve the billboard request, and it was approved 4-0 to zero with the mayor, Mayor Rice, abstaining. I wonder if Rice likes Rice. In that same meeting, the next item on the agenda was the extension of the operating hours for the Citrus Restaurant. If you remember just earlier in the story, I said that he had represented Citrus Restaurant. This is Mr. Kasperowicz. At this point, the Planning uh, Commission records from October 50 indicated that Kasperowicz was representing them again. And Quach seconded the motion to extend the operating hours to 12.30 a.m. daily. This was approved 5-0. to zero. On April 15, 2009, the Westminster Police Department presented their recommendation to the Planning Commission for the revocation of the Citrus Restaurant's permits. At that meeting, Kasperowicz requested that the Commission delay consideration of the matter and defer it to the Council meeting on May 13, 2009. When the Council hearing would appeal, this, where, and this would have been when the Council would have uh, had a hearing to appeal the, the suspension of citrus permit. On a 3-2 vote, the commission denied the staff request to schedule a public hearing to consider the revocation of citrus permit. Uh, Councilman Quach was not at the council meeting on May 13th, and the council voted to defer the hearing on a matter until another meeting. On September 27th, 2009, at that meeting, Councilman Quach made the motion to pull the matter of suspension appeal off the agenda for consideration. Quach moved the matter uh, to pull the matter of review from Citrus uh, from consideration as well. They both passed five to zero. Sounds like the entire freaking council over there is in either doesn't care or is in collusion with this one. Let's find out what's going on in Westminster. My God, you know, here's the thing. Look, you know, you can. <laughs> no, I won't even go. Why not? I'll, what the hell? What do I care? Here's the thing with Asians, right? When you get a council that starts to become more and more Southeast Asian, right? The Asians will come in there and they will steal, rob, and blind you, and blind you. But they'll steal and rob from you blind. I mean, they do not care. They are liars, thieves, and cheats, these South Vietnamese people. They're crazy. Not all of them, of course. It's a cultural thing. It is an absolute cultural thing. No two ways about it. You just can't get around it. So you're going to start to see old world corruption seep in, baby. It's going to seep in. And plus, too, these guys are cut from the Republican pot cloth here in Orange County. You can't help it. I mean, when the, when, the, when the lead guy is Michael Schroeder and he's telling these guys how to do business, they're going to follow his lead. And they look at people like Larry Agron and whatnot, and they realize, hey, you know what? 
you know, we can get away with this kind of stuff. Nobody's really watching. Then on October, August 2nd, 2009, uh, Andy Quatch was released to his attorney, Barry Kasparowicz, uh, as a courtesy. Well, there you go. So uh, more and more political corruption is occurring around us. It's swirling around us uh, here in the O.C., and moving on to another fun story right here at KUCI 88.9 FM Nervine. You'll listen to the OC Show right here with Cameron Jackson every Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. Listen to this. I love this story. This is from the Register. Westminster Police Department has given a termination notice to Sergeant Bill Arganda, 39 years old. Now, what do you what what is it that why is it that that a sergeant over at the police department because you know typically they don't ever ever once you make sergeant at most police departments you are free to do whatever you want you can rape pillage rob do whatever you want and you are going to get away with it well apparently uh, sergeant Arganda pushed it too far uh, the police department announced this morning. That it is sent to the district attorney's office a case against an unnamed sergeant, we know who it is, Bill Arganda, for personal use of the CLETS system that connects to the DMV database for state and federal law enforcement agencies. CLETS is the California Law Enforcement Telecommunication System for all of you out there who did not know what CLETS stood for. Now, here's the thing. Uh, he's got several, several things going against him at this point. Uh, not only is he using the database to access uh, the background and information of, of women and whatnot, we'll get to that in a moment, but he's also accused of domestic violence against two women. Now, they let this guy slide for a while, but when I read this head job to you, when I read this head case to you, you're going to wonder, how did he slip through the system? Was, it the, was he fine when he came in, and then he was perverted by the system, or was he just screwed up from the beginning and he slipped right through the cracks? The first accusation, uh, which did not lead to criminal charges, resulted in an unpaid suspension in 2007. Let's get to this story. Argana has been on administrative leave since late May of last year. Get this. This guy is nuts. A follow-up interview with Orange Police Detectives said that Aragana's girlfriend at one point said that her boyfriend, Aragana, placed a gun to her head on a different occasion. Crazy. So she had a domestic violence call at her house one occasion. On another occasion, he put a gun to her head. Cuckoo. All right. An internal investigation was uh, started in April 4th with a citizen complaint that found that Aragona used the CLETS system, the California Law Enforcement's telecommunication system, to look up thousands of names and license plates for his own personal use. Yeah, baby, I love the use of government property. Among the more than 4,000 names search are a blonde Fox News correspondent, yeah, baby, a woman from a gym class, a mother from his daughter's kindergarten class, his ex-wife and his ex-wife's girlfriends, as well as the new men in their lives. Yeah! Aragonda, you are a stud. None of these people that investigators contacted have given Aragonda permission to conduct the searches according to the search warrant. In the period of April 2007 to May 2009, boy, they let this go on for a while, Aragonda ran 1,020 searches on Kletz according to the warrant. By comparison, eight other sergeants in the department during that time, uh, there were eight other sergeants in the department, five conducted no searches because they are the laziest of the eight, and the other three averaged about 100 searches each. Those are the sergeants you want to work for. Those are the ones that are going to give you the uh, kudos when kudos are due. The DA's office hasn't filed any charges yet. And let's see here. He's still employed, but there is an intent to terminate him. Whew. Now, let's see here if it gets even better. Uh, Arganda wisely, I suppose, uh, said he was not going to comment from this uh, story. He's been with the department since 1991, promoted in 2004, uh, but he had a problem. It started to hit the rocks in late 2006. Uh, he often argued with his wife. This is his wife, Cindy. Uh, she is the risk manager for the city of Westminster. Well, there you go. See, now that's another reason why we shouldn't have these 
departments, these police departments, investigators, etc., complaining because typically they marry other city workers and they make double what most people make out in the real world with all their solid gold-plated uh, benefits to to go along with it. So uh, another reason why we shouldn't listen to the, these people complain. Anyway, that's on another subject. In October 2006, his sister-in-law accused him of beating his wife, Cindy. Uh, Cindy actually denied the claims at that time, taking her husband's side. Uh, then in December, though, uh, Araganda abandoned his post as watch commander to drive home in the middle of the night. I wonder why. Uh, this incident led to the first uh, black mark on his resume. Can you say that? Is that okay? The African-American mark? Uh, Araganda was denied an annual pay raise and given an unpaid week off. Around that time, a dispatcher uh, had been fired, in part because of Araganda. And she accused, I'm not saying it's he, I'm saying it's she because most dispatchers are, are, are females, uh, just the way it works, accused him of propositioning her for sex, says it right there, in exchange for giving her job back. I love it. That's hot. And Araganda's account to police officials, uh, he says an investigation was, eh, blah, 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 who cares on that? cares what Aragon is. This guy is a complete head case. You start listening to the things that are going on around him, and you realize, hey, this guy's a wife beater, he's a womanizer, and he's got a power and control issues, big time. On May 14th, amid uh, contentious divorce, uh, Cindy, his uh, ex-wife, went to city officials, uh, and including the police chief, and said her sister had been telling the truth about the abuse. Oh, the plot thickens here. The Westminster Police Department issued a restraining order against him. Oh, my goodness. Family and friends that stated this. Family and friends have reported that Cindy has been victim of emotional and physical abuse over the past several year, months. Today, Cindy admitted being a victim of abuse. Then the department suspended him the next day. Uh, Cindy accu uh, accusation was supported by a letter sent uh, by her to her, by her doctor, actually, uh, regarding a visit on the 20th of December in 2006. Now, these are the injuries that Cindy is claiming she got from her husband. She had contusions on her left thorac region, a left rib region, a left lateral wrist, and right deltoid regions, as well as her left scalp. Basically, she had bruises all over her. These uh, appeared to be caused by someone grabbing her tightly and squeezing these areas. Uh, these contusions were a result of an altercation with her husband, and there have been many of these attacks. <laughs> How nice is that? So while he's beating his wife, he's using the law enforcement telecommunication system to uh, scam and scope and uh, check out the other chicks out there, the chicks and babes, including that f hot Fox News correspondent. Damn, she's hot. Uh, all right, let's see what else here. Um... Oh, I love this one. This is the sleaze bag that this guy is. Listen to this. So he gets into an argument with his wife over the kids because the guys always have to use the kids as, as, as a weapon in these things. She tells him, no, I'm not leaving. You need to leave. The, res the respondent then told our son, and then the respondent being uh, Aragonda, Sergeant Aragonda, told their son that the reason mommy and daddy are getting a divorce is because mommy sends naked pictures of herself to other men. Do you want to see them? He opened his phone to show the pictures to the son, and the, uh, Cindy said to him, no, no, I will leave. If that ain't a dirtbag sleazeball, I don't know what is. That is disgusting. That is sick. That is perverted. Anybody who wants to take their kids and use them as weapons in divorces should go straight to hell. Not even pass in purgatory, baby. Straight in. Kids are the innocent ones in these types of issues. They always are. And so help me God, I would love to see every parent, either male or female, who uses their kids as a weapon in a divorce to go straight to hell, to the bottom to the depths, right even below Hitler. Seriously. I mean, it is just the most unconscionable, unfathomable, lowest of low human being thing you can do. And to bring your kid into the middle of it with your wife and say something as sleazy and dirtbaggish as this guy is alleged to have said to his wife. 
After an argument at their daughter's school, uh, uh, she's a, he's hit her. Uh, she's accusing that he's hit her. He slapped her, pulled her hair, threatened to rape her, threatened to kill her, uh, manipulative and psychological abusive behavior. And, of course, Aragonda has denied all this uh, and says that she's lying about him. There you go. I, you know, of course he's going to say that. Okay, we'll have a few minutes left here. Uh, the legacy of Mike Corona, the legacy of Mike Corona continues to rear its ugly head and will probably continue to rear its ugly head for many years to come because when you have 10 years of filth uh, and scum running a police department into the ground, uh, these types of things happen. And from the L.A. Times today, the U.S. Is, uh, Federal Justice Department is going to be probing the Orange County jail system, which is probably due. I'd like to say that uh, Sandra Hutchins is probably done a pretty good job we haven't heard much out of the jails lately um, but to take apart 10 years almost 10 years of mike corona's lack of rule in the jails is going to take probably another five to ten years uh, the u.s department of justice is conducting an investigation into orange county's troubled jail system examining a decade's worth of allegations that deputies mistreated inmates and used excessive force to keep inmates under control no, not in, our, oh my God, not in our jails, Chamberlain. Officials from the department's Civil Rights Division are seeking to determine whether incidents of violence by jail personnel amount to a pattern of violating inmates' rights. The Orange County District Attorney uh, criticized deputies earlier this year for a code of silence. That was, that was a dust-up between Susan King Schroeder and Wayne Quint. That is uh, all politics and has nothing to do with what's really going on in the jails, even though there is a code of silence. She was right about that, but it's like the pot calling the kettle black when you start saying Susan King's shoulders are choosing somebody else of being having a code of silence for crying out loud. Among recent, because remember, Susan King Schroeder, uh, her husband is Michael Schroeder, the chief enabler and apologist for Michael Corona. Michael Corona is the one who drove that department into the ground and created the code of silence. You see how the circular, sh oh, it's unbelievable. Uh, among the recent cases, an, it was, uh, an inmate, this was uh, Mr. Chamberlain, was stomped to death by fellow prisoners after a deputy allegedly told them falsely the man was a child molester. Uh, the department has been criticized for tasing people who are handcuffed or restrained. Uh, Sandra Hutchins apparently ended that earlier this year. They can't do that anymore. I don't know why you would tase somebody who's... Uh, yeah, I could see some instances where you might want to taste somebody who's got handcuffs on, but in the jail, I think you lose some of those. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Justice Department said that the investigation will begin, uh, has begun at the end of December and will take more than a year to complete. So, uh, if they decide that uh, they've screwed the pooch over there at the jail system, then they will be under some sort of federal uh, decree. So, coming up next, here on KUCI uh, 88.9 FM in Irvine, is uh, Disco for Your Health with Jeremy. Uh, he is looking like he's setting something up outside, ready for you guys. Just remember the opinions and views expressed in the OC show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. I'm sure everything I said today falls under that category. Thank you very much. As always, I am always here for you every, uh, what, every week, every Friday from uh, 5 to 6 p.m. Uh, right here telling you what really happens in Orange County. Happy to be here for you, and I will see you again next week. Goodbye.